Okay. Ready? We'll do a, let's do one, two, three, four, five, and then clap on six. Okay. But do but you gotta do the ands. One and two and three and four. That? Yes. And then we'll clap five and and clap on six. Yep. Okay, here we go. Ready? Mm-hmm. All right. Together, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> All right, no. here we go. Okay. One and two and three and four and five and Oh, I forgot to clap. God damn it, really? Hey, everybody. Welcome to I'm Okay, You're Okay. I'm not okay. You're not okay. With me, Bob Schneider, and your other host, Clint Wells. You're welcome. Man, if we had done that at the beginning of the first podcast, we wouldn't have an intro. Hmm. Deep thoughts. Here on I'm Okay, You're Okay. Her on? Hey everybody, her on uh I'm a okay here. Oh. Okay. I'm stra I'm strokey. You're strokey. I'm not hmm. strokey. You're not strokey. I can't speak, you can't speak. I'm just right immediately going into Force Gump. You're immediately going into what will probably be regarded as the funniest bit we've ever done on the show. Hey. Okay. So what's up with you? Let's hear about Bob Schneider. Uh, what's up with me? Um, I've been doing a lot of painting. Mm. Tell us about that. So anyways, there's this stuff called paint. And uh, some of it's oil-based and some of it's water-based. Water-based paint comes in a f- few varieties watercolor or acrylic or others latex you can have a water-based latex Mm. anyways i've been using oil paints which are an oil-based uh paint medium that's as old as oh some of the older homes you might find in west virginia or even in norfolk anyways people used to make paintings of jesus (laughs) using oil paints uh because they found that their light fastness and their ability to hold their colors over a long period of time, they found quite pleasing. And also, you could uh, do translucent layers of colors, and you would almost, like when you would look at the painting, it was almost like you could see the skin of Jesus's skin glowing. And you would say, look at how handsome that Jesus figure is with us light streaming through this translucent layers of oil paint. All right. Yeah, I'm I'm listening. I'm still listening. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so I've been painting oil, cool. using oil paints. Wow. Well, we got an email here that's for you. Uh, Brandon J. Lamb has a three-part question for Bob. Number one, how long until after you finished recording the podcast did you did you clean up the broken pool glass in minutes? He wants an update on the pool glass. My wife actually, my wife picked it up. Which, How long did it take? Oh, like a couple days. We yeah. were out there. We were out there doing an art project. Me and my daughter and my wife. And I was like, "Oh, hey, these sharp, razor sharp uh, ceramic shards are still here." And she picked them up. And uh, everything's wow. everything's smooth as smooth as ice over here. So I guess that's going to make the next two questions irrelevant, which are how long after until you finished apologizing, and then when do you expect your wife to forgive you? What? Those are the follow-up questions. No, she was the crazy one. 
I was the sane one. So yeah, no agree. no apology, and uh, we're we're back on track. She's back on her medication. Everything's right as rain, and I'm uh, using some of those paints that I was talking about just a minute ago. Did she apologize to you, or you, do you not require that type of uh, no she, verbal closure? No, she. I need that closure. I need everything. I'm needy. I'm a needy person. Yeah. So yeah, she said she was sorry, and and. Uh, she loved me and now everything's fine until it's not did you guys have a nice mother's day uh i mean yeah i guess there's a lot of mothers in my life there's my wife who's a mother there's her mother who's a mother there's her mother who's a mother there's my ex-wife who's a mother there's my mom who's a mother it's a lot of mothers right there's also a couple motherfuckers in there. Me being one of them. Mostly. My mostly dad. My dad being one of them. Mm-hmm. My father-in-law being a motherfucker. Yep. That's about it. Less motherfuckers than mothers. Right. That's the name of my new record, by the way. What are some of the song titles on that record? I'm a motherfucker, motherfucker, is one of them. And the other one's Paint. Mm, all versus of the spectrum and it's actually one whole side of the albums just called paint or versus water battle of the mediums mm. beach nitties have you heard that new beach nitty track paint yeah i did that shit is fire yeah man i like the part about the water-based mediums watercolor and acrylic and latex yeah, me too. Have you heard that new Eminem track with uh, Logic? Nope. <clears throat> it's called Homicide. Anyways, they put Chris D'Elia, him doing an impression of Eminem at the end. So now Chris is on yeah. the number one number one record in the world right now. That's pretty I've seen cool. Chris D'Elia's uh, Eminem impression. This is pretty funny. He does a pretty good job. Oh, Lapkins, Flapkins, and the Tapkins. <laughs> Shit is funny. He sounds like Eminem, too, when he does it, though. I uh, know. So I like good. Eminem. I think he's sort of living legend status in terms of hip-hop and rapping. Well, that new Homicide single is no joke. Like, Logic comes right out of the gate killing it. Here's what's so weird about Logic. So, I guess, like, his mom or dad's, like, half black or something, or maybe full black. I don't know. But he... When he's just speaking normally, he just sounds. This is going to all sound real racist, but um, when he's just talking oh nor- normally, he talks. <clears throat> he talks very much like you or I might talk. He doesn't sound like he has much of an accent in terms of like a like a hood style accent or something like that. Whatever that means. Um, but then when he raps, he can kind of say whatever he wants and do whatever he wants and use whatever kind of accent or voice he wants because one of his parents uh, has some African-American blood. And uh, I find that very interesting. That's It's hard for me to feel interested in this new Logic rapper guy. When I went and saw Tool last week, which was an insane experience. But, you know, they're an old band now. It's hard to talk to kids about Tool. But that was an insane experience. 
I don't know what Logic is doing with Eminem and a comedian and they're number one and all that, but seeing Tool was was mind blowing. Have you ever seen Tool before? No, and I want to see him. And as soon as you said it, I was like, why didn't you tell me Tool was playing? I might have flown to fucking Nashville and seen that show. Well, they're I mean, they're probably playing Texas. They weren't in Nashville, by the way. I had to drive down to Birmingham, which I know how you feel about Birmingham, but they didn't play uh they skipped Nashville on this tour. Well, now you're making me want to look up their schedule because I would love to. I would love to see Tool. Let me tell you what one of the best things about it was, which is saying a lot because I absolutely love their music and the visuals were psychedelic and amazing. Best thing about it, there's a no uh, second chance policy on cell phones. If you bring your cell phone out during the concert, they will eject you from the concert. So they tell you on the ticket, they're telling you on the screens before the show. They're even making like audible announcements. And what happened is everyone just listened to it. And for 90 minutes, an arena of 20,000 people did not look at their phones. They just watched the show. It was incredible. Yeah, that's I don't great. know how you feel about people with the old blue, I, the, I call it the blue light face, looking at uh, their phones during your show. It's not fun. It's not fun to see. Uh, I mean, my, my crowd's old, so they don't do a lot of that. Um, maybe the younger people do it. But at my shows, most of my audience is actually paying attention um i mean every once in a while i'll look out there and people are videotaping what i'm doing usually if it's like the the song that they know they're like oh it's a song i know let me videotape this that happens usually at the end or something but most of the time they're just listening but i do like i do like no phones i just went and saw dave Chappelle and aziz and sorry together at the paramount theater last week and uh wow they made everybody put their phones in these little, uh, like bags. Yeah. Um, and you can like open the bag in the lobby or something. Right. Well, they're like, they have a magnetic lock. And so the only way you can open it is you have to like have this magnetic, they have to open it for you. Um, it's awesome. So, but we, of course we didn't put our phones in that. We just kept them in our pocket. But if you pulled out your phone and they saw you holding a phone, you got ejected. Yeah. Well, and there's a lot of people that are upset about it. like I bought a ticket, I can do, I should be able to enjoy a show whatever I want. It's like you're only entitled to the show. You're not entitled to do whatever you want at a venue. If the venue has that rule or the artist has that rule, you have to fucking it's like you can't bring food in, you can't bring guns in. You it's the same kind of process, right? You can bring guns in in Texas. Ugh, Jesus. I don't know. It's so weird to me my friends like you that it's just cuz Austin is so uniquely cool, but Texas is just an odd vibe. You can take guns into a church in Texas. You can take guns anywhere. The only place you can't take guns is if there's a sign on the door that says you can't bring guns in here. Otherwise, you can take guns anywhere. Into a bar. You can get drunk packing. It's Ugh. so weird. And Good it's God. it's weird. So we went to this show, the Dave Chappelle show, and my wife is like, man, she at some point during the show, she was like, check it out. I've got my... Uh, feet. I've got my uh, high-heeled shoes unbuckled in case there's a shooting and I can run out of here as fast as I can without my shoes. I'm like, yeah, that's so weird because I never. I'm scared of everything. That's one thing I never even take a second to contemplate. And if I did, I can't even imagine what that sort of paranoia would do to me uh, because I'm real easily. It's it's a horrible feeling. I've been in a theater with my wife, and a uh, a dude has come in that looked 
menacing, like with a big trench coat or something. And I've told her like, hey, if you just hear gunshots, just lay down and pretend to be dead. Like we had to have that conversation. And it was it's shocking how casual it was too. Like, hey, don't try to run. He'll pick you off easily. Uh, don't scream. Just lay down and pretend to be dead until it blows over. Got it? Okay, cool. You know, pass the popcorn. And that's America. That's just American life now. But it's not American life now. I mean, it is every once in a while. You're right. There's some some shooting that happens. But really, the chances of you being shot in a in a movie theater or a venue are thousands of times less than you uh, dying from. I mean, hundreds of thousands of times less than you dying from like heart disease or uh, um, a car crash or something like that. I mean, it's so rare that something like that happens. Now, is it in the news? Yes, all the time. When it happens, that's all you hear about. But the likelihood of something like that happening to you is so minuscule. It's crazy. Well, you're going to have a chance of winning the lottery probably more than being killed by a gunman. There have been 105 mass shootings in 2019. And we're in, what, it's May 13th. Okay. That's a lot. I mean, you know, I think it's I think it's enough to worry about your kid going to school. It's definitely enough to worry about being in a crowded place. Dude, My a bunch of my friends and peers were mowed down by a fucking lunatic in a mach- with a machine gun in Las Vegas a couple years ago. So anytime we play uh, the festivals out there, anytime we play a country festival now, that's just something that's part of reality now. It's like, will someone try to kill us all today? We did a gig where the uh, the the guy that killed Osama bin Laden like spoke at a gig we did because it's country music and people like that stuff. And we had to have sharpshooters. We had maybe four or five sharpshooters positioned at the gig just for the gig, just for safety, because people are trying to kill that guy. That's just reality. That, that's not people being paranoid. That's just like sort of normal. That's like putting on a seatbelt. Are you going to die in your car today? No, but you should put on the seatbelt because you might. Yeah, but the chances of you dying in your car are way, way, way greater than you being shot to death. And I don't like I'm, I don't get nervous when I get in my car. Yeah, it's weird. Like we're desensitized to that kind of danger because we do it every day. We do it so often. Yeah, I just think that these things that we're told to be afraid of all the time, it's bullshit. I think that's true. I think there's like a a sense of like drumming up fear because people obey when they're afraid and people consume when they're afraid and fear is a tool of that stuff. But it does also seem like we live in a strange world where, you know, Sandy Hook can happen and children are getting killed and the NRA sells more guns. They sell more guns because as soon as something like that happens, they're like, oh, yeah, they're going to take away your gun rights. So you better stock up right away before they take away your guns. Now, but man, there's like this little kid that's probably like, I don't know, nine or ten, somewhere around there. Could be eight, could be nine, could be ten. And I see this kid walking his dogs every day in in my neighborhood. And every day when I see him, I'm like, oh, that kid's going to get kidnapped. That kid's going to get kidnapped. That's my first thought when I see this kid. Because nobody's, nobody's, you know, nobody's keeping an eye on him. And he's, right. you know, my neighborhoods, there's no sidewalks. And uh, the houses are far apart. So he's just 
cruising through the, you know, he's just off the side of the road in the grass walking these dogs. I don't know how far away from home, but far enough away from home that he will get kidnapped. That's the first thought. And of course, he's never going to get kidnapped. Well, he might get kidnapped. I'm not letting my son out of my sight. Right, exactly. Well, because you'd rather play it safe, man. Your kid's way less likely to get kidnapped than that fucking kid. If you lock your car every day, you're less likely to get broken into than someone who who thinks that the world's a really nice place with really nice, round, smooth edges and none of the bad things that you can imagine would ever happen to you until it fucking does. I, I know. It's, it's weird, though, because... The chances of something happening are so minuscule. But again, we're constantly told to be afraid of stuff that we're just we're just living in a climate of fear now that just did not exist. Even my parents, who let me and my sister roam totally free, both me and my sister, we would like get home from school and then we would just cruise and then come home for supper and then leave after supper and then come home at like eight. And unsupervised. Yeah. And I'm talking, I'm not talking about 13 and 14. I'm talking about four years of age and up. Yeah. Maybe younger. As soon as we could walk, I guess. I don't know. There was never a time where we couldn't just walk around. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, my first memory of being a human being, my online memory when I came online is watching A Nightmare on Elm Street when I was like three by myself because my shitty dad just took me to my grandparents and my grandparents who I don't know if they were shitty or not they just put me in front of the tv and then they went away to live their horrible lives and then my online moment as a human being is just sitting there watching Nightmare on Elm Street at three which is one of my favorite movies to this day and I turned out okay but I'm not doing that to my fucking kid dude my parents when they would put us in front of the tv it was like such a treat German pornography. Oh, they never put you in front of the TV. No, no. Like we could, they were like, don't watch TV. You got to go outside and play. And like when we could just watch TV, I loved it, dude. So like my, when my kids want to watch TV, I'm like, man, I just remember how much I used to love to watch TV. So I put them in front of that TV. Is it right in their brain? Yeah, for sure. But do I get to do my thing while they like spend an hour rotting their brain? Yeah. Well, I'm not even making a comment about TV. It's more that they didn't care what was on the TV. Um, like, I can put my kid in front of the TV and put on Beat Bugs, and I know it's going to be 40 episodes of Bugs singing Beatles songs. And it's going to generally be messages about friendship and com compassion and, you know, tolerance. These motherfuckers had me sit in front of Nightmare on Elm Street. You've seen Nightmare on Elm Street, right? Dude, I've seen Nightmare on Elm Street, but I've also just handed my daughter, who's four, my phone. And sure, she's starting out on Fizzy Toy Show, but she could end up on fucking Fizzy Butt Play. I don't know what she's going to end up with. Yeah, you can't do YouTube, man. YouTube's got to be out. Well, the good thing about YouTube is there's no pornography on YouTube. Uh, man... I'm going to send you some stuff when we get done. There's a lot of weird shit on YouTube directed at kids. Oh, there's a lot of weird shit on YouTube directed at kids, for sure. There's a bunch of stuff where they're, like, pouring, like, chocolate pudding on little, like, dolls and stuff. Yeah. Or and like, those, those have, like, millions of views where it looks like poop. Right. There are, peop there are people making kids content of, like, Frozen and Spider-Man and shit, and they'll be doing, like, normal, like, hey, let's go play the thing, and then they'll, like, pull a dog apart. <laughs> Or they'll like fuck each other or something or do or cut each other's heads off and stuff. And it's this really weird 
grooming type desensitization of your children shit going on. And they have tens and tens of millions of views because people just plop their kids in front of YouTube. Yeah. There's some weird shit afoot with that stuff. I can't even get into my theories about the the world order happening in terms of pedophilia. I want to hear it. I can't get into it. It'll Why? make me sound too insane. It'll make me sound too insane. We do have one more email to get to uh, before we split here. And th- this, is a, this is interesting. It's for you. Well, it's for both of us, but it's more for you. Clinton Bob, this is from JR, by the way. Over the stretch of a few years, I've seen Bob do two solo shows in Louisville, and in both cases, he interacted with fans after the show was over. Aside from Bob's previously discussed view of don't shake my hand using your potato hand, I'm curious what sort of preferences both of you have regarding fan interactions. Do you prefer folks simply to say thank you for the music and go about their business? Do you like to hear about how your work affects people? How do each of you define a positive fan interaction? Just curious about the best way to show my appreciation to you both if I should ever run into you after a show. That's a good question. You can't go wrong with brevity. I will say that. True. That's, you know... What is it? Uh, what's the saying about um, familiarity breeds contempt or something? Contempt. Uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. You know, uh, people share their stories with me, and uh, and you know, it's cool if if they feel like that's an important thing and they want to share that with me. I feel, you know, that you know that's that's cool, and uh, I, I like hearing that, and. Uh, I don't like it when people have these unnecessary expectations about how we're going to just bond immediately and become friends somehow. Like there's a weird thing that happens there. I, and I know I kind of do it. Like I remember I was in Oklahoma city one time and Wayne Coyne from the flaming lips was shopping at the shoe store that I was in. And, uh, I was just like, Oh man, I I just want to go up and start talking to him. And then, we're going to hit it off and then we're going to have similar interests and then we're going to become friends and we're going to trade numbers and we're going to be lifelong friends. Anyways, I ended up not even going up and saying hi. I just, uh, just pretended like I didn't know who he was and then left. And then, uh, so there's that as well. Uh, there's that way of approaching things. I, I'm just real shy when it comes to that sort of thing, but I don't know if I'm at a show and I'm going out after the show and, I go and see shows like that Aziz and Sar show. If there would have been a meet and greet afterwards and I could have gone up to Aziz, I would have said, hey, man, that shit made me laugh and you were great. And that would have been it. And it would have been nice. And I could have said, oh, I interacted with him. And and he would have said like, hey, man, thanks. I appreciate it. And and he might have said, hey, do you want to take a photo? Or I might say, hey, I take a photo. I, I, I don't mind anything that's quick, like taking a photo with somebody. Having him compliment me, sharing a quick story, all of that's great. All of that's fine. Yeah. It's just when they like, when it goes beyond that, because, and it's usually because somebody's fucked up. Like, if you're drunk and you want to be funny, that's not the time. Like, no. don't, don't try to be funny. Well, like, if you and I are standing together by the bus after a show, here's what you want to happen after the interaction with us. When you walk away, you want me and Bob to go, that was a nice guy. Yeah. Oh, what a nice lady. Right. Oh, what you don't want to do is go, Jesus Christ. <laughs> what is wrong with people? Uh, I mean, this happens to me a lot in the country music I do where people are like, hey, come here. Hey. You know, they'll like loiter by the buses. I'm like, hey, how's it going? Hey, give me, can I have your hat? Give me your hat. I'm like, you want my hat? I'm fucking wearing it. 
And this one lady was like, well, will you let my kids sign your hat? I'm like, okay, so <laughs> I won't God. give you the hat. You want Now you want me to let your kids sign my hat. This one guy asked, he, this one guy goes, can I have your hat? Give me your hat. Come on, man. I was like, dude, I'm not giving you my hat. He's like, well, can I wear it? And my wife's going to take a picture. Can I wear your hat in the picture? And I said, no, I don't want you to wear my hat in the picture. And then we're like, you know, got our arms side by side to take a picture. And he took my hat off my head and put it on his head for the picture. Don't do anything like that. These are things not to do if you ever should meet us. Well, if something like that ever happened to me, I would never be in public again around whatever. <laughs> like if if whoever that organization was that you were playing with at the time, I would never again be in public around those people. And well, that's all it takes. It just takes a few bad apples to fucking spoil the whole bunch. But I will say in my experience, I don't know how you'll feel about this, but m- mostly people are cool and know how to get in and out of there. There are some people with some very strange expectations, though. Well, and they do tend to ruin it. Plus they tend you, to make you skittish about it. Right. Plus you and me aren't Beyonce. You know, we're not, we're not, uh, we're not Paul McCartney. So people are like, oh, I liked your show. That was fun. I had a good time. You know, they can be more casual with us. Right. Whereas, you know, if it's somebody they grew up listening to, it's their favorite artist of all time or something, then they can get a little weird. I'm sure. I wouldn't know. Well, I have a lot of memories of just standing outside the Saxon after those shows because you usually split right after those and then there's usually a second show or a show after that 8:30 slot and uh i've had very very nice beautiful conversations out there and then i've also had some very very strange interactions out there as i'm sure you can imagine well monday nights are i mean that's just basically like the shows are called lonely land but they might want to just call it like lonely and possibly mm, close to being hospital hospitalized crazy I mean, there's some people, and I don't mind if you're crazy. Come to the shows all you want if you're crazy. Just don't try to interact with me. The people that are crazy that interact with me, they're the ones that I worry about. And that happens there sometimes. What's um, what's a, a recent memory you have of a crazy interaction? Uh, I don't know. Because you yourself, you yourself dabble in insanity. So what's crazy to you? Well, the, obviously personal space, but what's the weird shit people say to you? Like, what's the last weird thing that happened? Here's the problem. Most people understand that my relationship with them is very, uh, it's a distant relationship or it's, it's, uh, it's not distant. It's, it's just, they know what the relationship is. I make them music and then put it out there and then they interact with the music. They're not interacting with me. They're not right. interacting with me in sort of an interpersonal two-way communication. Now, the people that are crazy think that I'm communicating to them through my music. Those are the people that are crazy because I'm not. I'm just writing the songs for me. I'm putting them out for me. And then they're interacting with that music that has right. nothing to do with me. And that's that's where the problem starts and ends, right. really. I've seen that happen with you. I've, I've seen that happen with several artists that I've played for where... Um, a, a pretty severe confusion about they feel very close to the music and then they extrapolate that to the person when they're around them. And it's, it's a sight to behold. I don't envy that about what you guys do. No one really feels that way about guitar playing. Like, you know what I mean? Like they loved my guitar playing on the record. And then when they meet me, 
they extrapolate all this weird closeness. Unless unless they're fucking Charlize Theron. You mean Renee Zellweger? I mean Renee Zellweger. Then there are. Uh, we then, we might have had a fu- we might have had a future. You guys would have definitely had a future had Dual Bramel the second not come along with his guitar in hand, sweep her right off her feet. We shared a look that had that contained centuries. We shared a look that was definitely some sort of past lives sauce going on there. And then then the moment passed, and that was now what five years ago. There's people that are into singers, and there's people that are into guitar players. Now, and th- thank goodness for them. Granted, most are into singers, thank God. But occasionally, like you'll have a Renee Zellweger who likes the look of those bony hands on that big, thick wood. Uh, the chick from Mulholland Drive also. She she said she liked me. Yeah, she shared a moment also. Yeah, yeah, she did. Laura Haring. Yeah, she did. Hold on. Zip. Hold on. <laughs> I'm ready. Well, that was another episode of I'm okay, you're okay, I'm not okay, you're not okay. Send us an email, Bob and Clint at gmail.com. I feel like we st- I feel like we started off and we weren't okay, but now we're oh, sorta of okay. Yeah. Well see that's what can happen. If you if you don't hang up, if you don't hang up on your if don't don't give up on your what is it Daniel Johnson says? Don't give up on your grievances or what is that? Don't go to bed. Don't let the sun set on your grievances. See, if we'd have <laughs> let the sun set on our grievances earlier in the show, we wouldn't have this wonderful rest of the show. Well, that is so true. Wow. Should you? Do you want to let the people know about some uh, touring you got coming up? Fuck no. Let them find out the whole way. Let them through riot through Facebook and emails and all the other ways they can easily find out when I'm touring. But I am going to do some touring in July on the West Coast. If you live over on the West Coast and the West side of the country, I'll be touring uh, throughout July. So check that out. Check out my podcast, The Song Club. Uh, you can uh, check that out wherever you find your podcast. Check out Clint's Middle Up Your Podcast about all things Metallica, but of course... That's not a reason to listen to it. The reason to listen to it is because Clint's on it, and he's funny, and oh he's boy. informative. Oh, boy. All right. Well, that's it. We'll see you next time. All right. Peace. 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 <laughs>